Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Sarah Kazarek, coordinator for the Faith to Action Initiative. The Faith to Action Initiative serves as a resource for Christian groups, churches, and individuals seeking to respond to the needs of orphans and vulnerable children in Africa and around the world. We believe that children grow best in the love and care of families, and our mission is part of a growing global movement within the Christian church to strengthen family-based care and help children remain in families. The core focus of our work is to encourage action inspired by faith and informed by evidence-based best practice. We offer practical tools and resources and up-to-date information on key strategies and research through our website, publications, webinars, and podcasts. Through this podcast, we will explore strategies to strengthen family care, a topic briefly introduced in our first webinar and podcast, The Importance of Family, as well as our second webinar and podcast, The Continuum of Care. These resources can be found on the Faith to Action Initiative website at www.faithtoaction.org. Next, we will hear from C.H. Dyer and Heather Newton about Bright Hope's global work. C.H. Dyer has been CEO and president of Bright Hope since 1993. He has led Bright Hope to focus on assisting those living in extreme poverty, including orphans, widows, and the disenfranchised. He has developed partnerships with over 900 indigenous churches in nine countries. He is joined by Heather Newton. Heather works as an International Partnership Program Associate at Bright Hope, where she supervised the launch of Orphans and Vulnerable Children programs in Uganda to educate the local in-country church on the importance of family-based care. She holds a Master of Arts in International Development from Eastern University with a concentration on understanding the effects of poverty on women in Africa. Hello, this is C.H. Dyer from Bright Hope, and I'm excited that we're here with you. I have Heather Newton, uh, who's one of our field experts at Bright Hope. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to share with you today. Bright Hope, for those of you who are new to us, uh, is an organization that's dedicated to helping those who live on less than a dollar a day. So we go into about 50 communities around the world. Uh, these are very poor communities. So, so think city slums and remote villages, so very uh, remote and, and disconnected from other parts of society. And we work with local churches in those communities uh, to bring programs that will impact the entire community. Uh, at Bright Hope, we always talk about uh, three levels of help or three tiers of helping. We call it hope for today, hope for tomorrow, and hope for eternity. Uh, and so our conversation today around family and orphans and vulnerable children uh, will be in that context. So Heather, um, hope for today. When Bright Hope talks about hope for today, what, what do we mean by that? Well, with Hope for Today, we, we typically mean our relief programs, the most immediate needs that a family might have. That can look like health issues that arise. That can be feeding programs where there might be, need to be some nutritional supplements. It can be um, also water. Um, so we come into a community alongside the church, and we help the church to reach the most immediate needs within a family or community. And that's a, a very important point about Bright Hope is that all of our work is done through the local indigenous church. So we don't have missionaries. We don't have people from the West going to these places doing the programs. We train up the local indigenous body to minister um, these programs. 
Do you have a, a story or um, an impact uh, that we've done uh, recently of a Hope for Today program that's making an impact on families and orphans? I do. So I wanted to share with you today a little bit about Edith, who lives in a community in Zambia. It's representative of all our community partners there in Zambia. So when we met Edith, she came to us with a severe illness, sickness. In fact, she describes herself as praying to die because she had been so ill. Mm. Now, Edith is also a woman who has two children and a husband. So the fact that she was feeling so ill and sick, non-functioning as a mother, probably not able to get out of bed, tells you a lot about the state of vulnerability her children had. And so when, when she came to our church partner there, we fortunately had a health program with community-based care where caregivers would come visit the home. We have uh, medicine that was provided to Edith. She had a support group she was placed in. And over time, she was not only back to health, but she was thriving. She was able to, through the support in her family, start her own business and started to generate enough funding to pay for her kids to go to school. So not only were we able to step in in a moment of crisis when Edith may have died and left her children as a single orphan in her community, but through the health that we provided, she not only is back to health, but she's thriving and caring for her children. And uh, what I like about the Hope for Today is that it's something we want to move through very quickly, isn't it? It's not something we want to keep doing because Hope for Today is a lot of handouts, a lot of relief efforts. Mm-hmm. It's giving people sustainability for the moment, but it's not meant to stay there. And that's where the hope for tomorrow piece becomes really one of the most important key pieces that we have. So tell us a little bit about what hope for tomorrow means. We move to hope for tomorrow, which represents the micro loans strategy, micro savings, micro enterprise as a whole, which if you don't know what that is, um, I just wanted to share what Muhammad Yunus said. He said that based on the premise that the poor have skills which remain unutilized or underutilized, it's not the lack of skills that makes a person poor. So microloans represents utilizing the best skills this person has and giving them just a little seed money so that they can get themselves on the pathway out of poverty. Hmm. Yeah. Another way that we we talk about uh, hope for tomorrow is uh, raising people as income. So hope for today uh, is survive, about survivability exactly. because there's a real sense of people will not survive unless we help them with food, clothing, fresh water, clean water. But in in the tomorrow piece, we're really saying, how can a family, a person, an individual um, raise their level of income where they can care for most of their own needs? Now, not all their needs, but, you know, the key needs to be able to help that family or, or individual thrive, survive and care for their own children and maybe other children that have come to that family um, out of desperation or an orphan uh, kind of situation. Do you have a um, an illustration or? a story from the field um, about our micro-lending program. I want to take you to Haiti, to a community called Bagana Bay. Bagana Bay we've been working in for a number of years, and we've done a variety of different programs, and to date we've had over 200 recipients of micro-loans. And to illustrate that, I want to introduce you to someone named Mary. Now, Mary is someone we visited with last year. We visited her at her mud hut home, where she was sitting on the ground, drying out her corn, and she met us with a warm smile, a very 
welcoming and absolutely proud to share her story with us. Mary's been with the church at Bagana Bay since the 1990s, and unfortunately, uh, Mary is without a husband. But that doesn't mean that Mary's been unable to provide for her family. She actually has a daughter who's not working right now and a granddaughter who's about three or four years old. Mm. And Mary was a part of our program with microloans at Bagana Bay. And through that, she received a $50 loan. That's it. After two business trainings, $50. Mm. And with that amount of money, she was able to start her own business of buying and selling chickens within the local market. She would travel a distance on a motorcycle cycle to buy chickens at a, a lower cost than travel all the way back to her local market, selling them there. And over time, Mary's situation start to improve. She, after six months, took another loan of $100 after paying back that first loan. And now today, Mary has said that she initially was only eating one meal a day with her family. Now she can provide two meals a day for her family. Mm. And not not just that, but she's building on extra additions to her home to house her daughter and her granddaughter. And then beyond that, she's able to pay for the school fees for her little granddaughter to start attending preschool. Something to highlight, too, Mary is not stopping there. She is actually saving up now to buy by her own donkey so she no longer has to pay for the motorcycle taxis to and from the market to buy the chicken but she can actually go on her own on her donkey so these these people that are attending these workshops and then utilizing the loans are thinking beyond anything we could ever train them on and so um, Mary's the perfect example the transformation that happens within these microloan programs is is truly amazing as people double and sometimes even triple their incomes which if you're earning less than a dollar a day, two or three dollars a day may not seem like a lot, but in that context, it can do a lot of helping that family survive and thrive and grow and, and maintain those the health of the kids or kids just staying in school. Mm-hmm. Can you just give a kind of a quick overview of how a microloan group would work that that this woman would have been a part of? Absolutely. So to be a part of this program, she would have had to attend two trainings just to learn how to run a business and to be financially savvy. With these trainings, we work with each individual person to discover the best business that they might do. They might start a butcher shop. They may start a small restaurant. They may invest in selling posho, which is a rice dish in, in Africa. I mean, there are any variety of ways, but the main key thing that we do is to help them discover the best way that they can provide for their family through their business with utilizing the talents and giftings and skills that they have. We don't just train them, but we also put them in support groups. And we have someone from the local church trained who's identified as a leader. And these leaders will go and visit with the microloan recipients to make sure that they're feeling supportive, that they have everything they need to be as successful as they can be. For uh, vulnerable children or orphan children being in these families that have received these loans, um, it brings a sense of security for those children because now there's enough food. There's going from one meal to two meals, going from maybe a, a dirt floor to a cement floor or to a stronger structured house. Being able for those kids to stay in school uh, is really important. And so we've seen families all across the world with five or six of their own kids bringing on maybe 
two or three more orphaned children from the community or from other relatives and and that whole family thriving uh, as a family unit because of the economic development. Right. Now, microloans is one specific uh, example of economic development in our Hope for Today basket. Um, what would be some other tools or programs that we might bring to a community? We also do agricultural projects. We actually in Zambia have a, a project where we plant moringa trees. Moringa trees are unique because when you grind up the moringa trees, it's actually highly nutritious. And so by giving a family a moringa tree and them growing these trees, they not only have something to sell, but they also have something to consume to provide for the children. Micro savings. I know that we provide the example of micro loans, but micro savings is unique and actually they found that it's a lot more successful in areas of the world like Haiti. What it is is that um, each group gathers. So, CH, you and I could be in a group with a few other people. And every time we meet, every week, we bring $5. Everyone brings $5 and puts it in a pot. CH, you may be entrusted to take that pot of money home to care for it. And you can take from that. That's your loan. And then the next time we meet, whatever's left over plus another $5 is brought in. And so each of the members of the community have a personal investment. They hold each other accountable. It's a support group. And then not to mention, it's the seed funding, similar to the microloans, that can get people going. But the best part about the micro savings group is that an organization like Bright Hope doesn't need to do more than just train these micro savings and get them started with just the knowledge base because they've already got the funds to start their own groups. And I think that one of the key things I would love for people to understand is poor families can care for orphans and vulnerable children. They don't need to send their kids to an orphanage or to some other institution, but we can help poor families survive and thrive and become better families as we approach the economic development. So if, if somebody's listening to us right now and says, hey, I'm really interested in that. How do I learn more? Um, how do I get involved? How would I do that in the area of the world that I'm involved in? Heather, do you have some resources for us? If you are at all interested in learning more about microenterprise, which includes micro savings, micro loans, what we discussed today about Mary, please visit SEEP Network. It's an excellent site with all sorts of resources that will give you more information about how to further your knowledge about microenterprise. You can also look into Pathway Out of Poverty book series. It's available on Amazon. Excellent, excellent resources to learn more about how a poor family can empowered work their way out of poverty on on their own and then also microcreditsummit.org has some excellent videos where you can go and see uh, some of the leading experts share about the impact micro savings and micro loans can have on a poor family also i would i would say too is to partner with a local uh, indigenous group so if you're in a in africa somewhere find a group that's doing micro savings in that country and then invite them into your community and say, could we start a partnership? If we underwrite some of the costs of getting started, could you come in and run your program with these specific families and uh, see if you can create a partnership. Uh, partnerships are great ways to, to bring in tools and other kinds of programs that maybe you're not an expert at, but somebody else would be in that particular context. We talked a lot about Hope for Tomorrow. How does uh, our Hope for Eternity piece coming out from the churches impact families that are vulnerable and with 
children that maybe were orphaned. I, I have to say that this is probably my most favorite aspect of what we do, because like you said, this is the church being the church, empowered to reach and come around these families, providing hope and support and love, and it's had untold impact. So we have found in all of our work that working in rural communities or urban centers a lot of these poor families don't have access to resources. Maybe they don't know how to access microloans. Maybe they don't know how to receive a scholarship for their children. And so by having no access, these families may feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. But the one thing we found is where there's a community, there's a church. And that by coming alongside the church, we have seen that these families now have access to the things they never had access before. And it's all because the church is empowered to come around the family. And just to highlight that further, when we talk about the church having access to vulnerable families, we mean the single-led households, the women that are raising their children by themselves, mm -hmm. who maybe are without family to really come around and support them. We're talking about the um, orphans being cared for by extended family members. We're talking about the the people that don't understand how to properly care for vulnerable children and maybe are treating them like second-class citizens or servants within their home. So the church is there to reach each of those cases and not only empower but challenge with Bible, scripture, leadership, um, love, all these things that I think that families can really be impacted by. So in, in certain communities, I mean, we've seen people of all faiths come to the church and be blessed. Even those that maybe aren't interested in our Christian faith uh, or in a relationship with Christ would come, but yet be encouraged and, and learn these things. We did a study and we found that among the most and poorest villages and communities across the world, in most of these villages, there was already a church in existence within that community. And so we call it the, the most underutilized asset in the fight against extreme poverty. And that when we can empower that local set of believers and Christians to do the work of the church, um, not only in evangelism and discipleship, but with economic development and relief to the most vulnerable, uh, we see families change, children change, and it becomes a powerful force of light and hope and help uh, within that community. And it's so exciting to turn them on. And even when we're we're done with our programs, they can continue those things on for years and years to come because they're committed, they're called to that specific community. I'm Carrie Olson, founder and chair of the Faith to Action Initiative. And before Sarah Gazirik shares a few words in closing, I'd like to thank CH and Heather for joining in conversation and sharing some of the ways that Bright Hope is strengthening family care for children. If you'd like to learn more about microloans and microsavings programs, CH and Heather recommend the following online resources, www.seepnetwork.org -E and www.microcreditsummit.org. Also, the Pathways Out of Poverty series, available on Amazon. And if you'd like to learn more about or support the work of Bright Hope, you can do so by visiting their website at www.brighthope.org. Sarah? Thank you so much for joining us today. As you continue to explore how you can be involved in the best care for children and families, we encourage you to visit our website at www 
www.faith2action.org and discover our many helpful resources. In particular, listen to our podcasts that feature more examples of organizations and groups around the world implementing strategies that strengthen family care. On our website, we have many stories that feature different organizations and groups that are working to strengthen family care, from reducing stigma and discrimination, access to medical care, protection and participation of children, and many other strategies. You can also subscribe to our listserv on our website or follow us on Facebook or Twitter to access more examples of family strengthening and updates of family-based care for orphans and vulnerable children. May God continue to bless you in your service to children and families.